0: Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. Ori Benatar and Esteban Bailey back here talking a little Champions League, a little Premier League, a little Europa League. We got it all covered for you. And uh, what best place to start then with Europe? And Esteban, for the English teams, not good for the Champions League, with Manchester City the only team getting a victory. So, uh... It was not a good week to be a, a Premier League team.
1: <laughs> no, it was not at all. It was a good if you were a fan of really interesting football when it comes to Barcelona playing in England, uh, especially when you get to see a legend like Messi completely destroy one of the top Premier League teams. But uh, beside that, if you're a fan of the Premier League, it definitely wasn't the most fun time, especially if you were a Manchester United f- fan who had to suffer through that unbelievably boring draw against Valencia and I mean I you know the losses against West Ham and you know their loss their tie against you know Wolves were bad I, if you thought that was bad this draw with Valencia was worse and I'm surprised there wasn't more out you know just complete outrage towards that game sure United had some chances but my goodness it's Valencia it's not like they're the top defense in Spain let alone in the Champions League I don't know how you can't score against them but, uh, yeah, Manchester City, of course, they went down pretty early in the game, one nil to Hoffenheim, was, was which was kind of shocking. Uh, Manchester City never really was able to get out of first gear, but they were still able to get the three points. Um, Liverpool, just, you know, I think the exhaustion of playing such top teams for the last couple weeks is starting to take a toll on them, and they kind of they got the real first defeat of the season that's like important because the carabao cup is not really that big of a deal in my eyes um the napoli loss is definitely a little more concerning and of course tottenham versus barcelona i mean you you give it to tottenham for fighting hard they never gave up they kept trying they scored a couple of nice goals or you know they scored a couple goals um but barcelona is just it's messy is just so so good and you know, I mentioned this on our preview podcast last time. It's just he, Messi plays so much better against English opposition than he probably does against Spanish opposition. He's just so dominant, and English teams rarely know how to deal with him, and he loves to play in Wembley, and it's just the perfect kind of stadium for his skills, and just the crowd gets into it. So, Even though the Premier League teams need to improve, I still think that with the exception of Tottenham, I think Liverpool, United, and City are still going to go through to the next round. Tottenham definitely is... I, I I have a feeling because of uh, Inter's victory against PSV Eindhoven that Tottenham might actually drop into the Europa League, which will make for a pretty interesting three. You know, you know. Uh, uh, three-team kind of rivalry between Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham for that Europa League title, uh, which will be very interesting and fun if that actually ends up happening. But uh, yeah, you know, interesting week in the Champions League. Uh, the, you know, that's all. It, there's nothing much to say ex- except that because the games themselves, beside the Tottenham game, wasn't exactly the most the, the more fun game in the Champions League this week. Exactly. I
0: mean, I do think that Liverpool and uh, Manchester City are going to be okay. You know, it's a one nothing loss in the 90th minute. I think for Liverpool, this tough schedule is just catching up to them. They've played so many difficult teams in this stretch, and it all is going to culminate on Sunday when they play against Manchester City in this, you know, battle for first place match. Man City were the only team that won, but they weren't uh, that amazing because Manchester City had themselves... Um, a ninety an 87th-minute winner from David Silva. They conceded a goal in the first 44 seconds of the game. But Man City will be fine. They should be through. Tottenham's in a little bit of trouble because of how well Inter is playing and how well Messi has been. I mean, Messi's got five goals already in the Champions League. Ronaldo doesn't even have one, and Ronaldo didn't even play last game. Um, but I think Manchester United could be in a little bit of trouble, and I'll tell you why. Because their next two matches are against Juventus. First at Old Trafford, then they go to Torino, and it's likely that United would lose both those games. Now, we don't know what kind of Juventus will have by the end of October slash beginning of November, because we could see them lose a couple games in Serie A, and we could see Manchester United pick it back up again if they do have a new manager by then, or if Jose Mourinho gets his act together. Don't know which one's going to happen, but United against Juventus, it is more likely that Juventus wins both games than United wins both, or there's two draws or it's in united win and a draw meanwhile valencia should be beating bsc young boys twice too so in that scenario juventus would have 12 points valencia would go up to seven and that would leave man united with four points with two matches left so i think based on how the schedule has gone man united could be in trouble
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, in Manchester United, they're just lollygagging right now. They got their first two opponents that should have been easier. And while they put away young boys uh, pretty effectively, they just, you know, with Valencia playing them at home in Manchester, at Old Trafford, they just weren't able to really muster up really uh, efficient chances. And also they weren't able to put away any of these side chances that they had. I mean, it's just crazy to me that this Manchester United team has kind of lost... Their edge. They've lost the kind of clinical touch that old United teams used to be famous for. And I'm not sure if that's really due to Mourinho or that's just a kind of a crisis of confidence by all these really talented attacking players. We're going to have to wait and see before, uh, you know, some, something, if something changes with this Manchester United team. But I, I don't know. I, I still think United. I still think they can at least take, maybe they could either beat Juventus at home or beat them in Turin, at least take one of those games, and then they'll be able to put away Valencia with either a, a decent draw or a, you know, a a nice win, and then they'll be able to beat young boys at home. So I think United, even, even though there is a possibility that they could be in trouble, I do think United is going to get through to the round of 16 at least. And, you know, that should be okay. Mourinho will probably keep his job, uh, at least for the you know, at least the next couple of months if he's able to secure the round of 16 in the Champions League. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, there's a little cause for concern, but for sure of the Premier League teams that are most likely to fall out of the Champions League group stages, it's, I think it's going to be Tottenham. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, probably. Just based on how well Barcelona is playing and how well Inter is playing, those two matches uh, between those two sides is going to be really important to decide, I think, who wins the group stage. Tottenham must beat PSV twice. If Tottenham only gets one win, then their best hope would be that if Inter or Barca wins one of the teams, wins both of the games against the other just because that way Tottenham would have um, three points and you could have a team that's stuck at six. But for Tottenham, you got to win both games against PSV. Barcelona and Inter are just playing so well right now. For me, Barcelona has been the best team in the Champions League thus far just because they've beaten decent, better opposition and they've looked great doing it. I mean, they've scored eight goals in their first two games. Messi has five of them and they're just Playing unbelievable, and big clubs are struggling in world football. I mean, Liverpool hasn't won in quite some time. Their last win was against Southampton in the league. You got United, who's just been abysmal—four straight games without a win. Bayern Munich is struggling. They haven't won in three games. Uh, they tied Ajax this week, but they are still in first. They are behind on goal difference to Ajax. And then you've got Real Madrid, who have just been—they might be the worst of the big clubs. They haven't scored in three. They haven't scored in three games. First time that's happened in 12 years, and they lost to CSK in Moscow 1-0 after a second-minute goal. And Real Madrid is in deep, deep trouble. So the fact that the big clubs aren't playing well is just fascinating, and I can't remember a time in world football where Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Man United, and Liverpool have all been on these winless runs all at the same time.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect this to last much longer. I definitely think that um, most of these teams are going to be able to figure it out. They're just there's just too much talent. And I think in a World Cup year or, you know, right after the World Cup, a lot of the top teams tend to have slow starts to the season because a lot of their players still haven't returned to 100% match fitness. They're not really completely focused. There's a lot of change in the dressing room with managers often like Real Madrid has a new manager. Um, you know, Bayern Munich is a new manager, you know, Liverpool plays a very intensive style. Tottenham plays a very intensive style and they require a lot of their players to, you know, play a uh, pressing system and they're not exactly up to speed yet. So I think we're, you know, this is interesting. Definitely. Uh, I don't expect it to last much longer. Although it does tell me one thing that the middle class of world football is maybe not necessarily improving, but they are at least able to compete better with these top clubs, which is not always what we used to see. Sometimes in the Champions League, we used to always see like five nil victories, you know, from Bayern Munich against like an Ajax or something like that. And, you know, it's good to see that Ajax can actually push them pretty well. They have a lot of young talent that I think uh, a lot of the bigger clubs are going to look to buy either in January in the summer. Um, which is pretty fun, but uh, yeah, I I think this is going to last not for too much longer. I think the next international break, I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of these teams start to rest or a lot of the countries start to rest some of their more tired stars. I know we're going to get to it in a few minutes, but you know England decided to bring in a lot of younger midfielders that don't have a lot of you know tired legs, and maybe they could. You know, help them in the Nations League. So uh, I think I think we're gonna slowly get these teams back into shape by the by Christmas or of some sort. But it, this always happens in a in a World Cup year. You know, you have the bigger teams that are just kind of transitioning and they're trying to get everybody up to speed. But it takes a little longer because of just how much a strenuous effort they put into the World Cup.
0: Yeah, the World Cup really takes a lot out of players, and it should because it is the biggest tournament in world football. We've got, what, five teams in the Champions League at six points? Juventus, who's won every game they've played this season. Barca, Inter, Atletico, and Dortmund. I mean, Barca's probably been the most impressive, but second after Barca, i got to go with Brucia Dortmund. They've been playing great recently, Esteban. They're first in the Bundesliga, and they can score tons of goals.
1: I think it's. I love their young collection of talent. I think Jaden Sancho is a revelation. I think Pilisic, even though he came off a of injured, I thought he's been playing very well for Dortmund. Kind of a not a rejuvenation season, but just he's playing at a level that I think if he can maintain this consistently, he'll be one of the best players in the world. Um, they have a lot of younger players that I think are playing very, very well. They used to rely on players like Goethe and you know Kagawa to create. Now they have a bunch of other younger players that I think are really performing well. You have Alex Witzel, who pl- plays for Belgium in the. Uh, for for the Belgian national team. He's been playing very well for that team. Um, they they don't. They, it seems like they don't even miss Michy Batshuayi, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I love I love Dortmund. I think it's great to have. You know, it, it's much more fun in the Bundesliga when you have a a real competitive Dortmund that can actually challenge Bayern Munich for the title. It's and also you challenge Bayern Munich in the Champions League. So hopefully Dortmund doesn't fall like they did last season and go into the Europa League and then struggle through the Europa League. But I think if Dortmund can keep this young talent together keep developing everybody I think they have a really interesting collection and a good young generation of players that's coming through that is maybe can make for the next exciting Dortmund team which is what I'm hopeful hopeful for
0: yeah I am hopeful for it too I think that Dortmund is on this path to be once again a very exciting team you know remembering the days of Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund and 12 and 13 when they were making the Champions League final and winning the Bundesliga so I would love to see a doorman like that and I think we've been getting a doorman like that and it's also a nice little cherry on top to see uh, Christian Pulisic play well looks like he's not going to play for the U.S. during the international break I think he picked up an injury but at least Weston McKennie got his first career club goal for Schalke in uh in the Group D, the Champions League Europa League group of 2018-19 with Schalke and Porto in the top two. But a uh, little bit on the Europa League now. Um, not much to say. I mean, Chelsea beat uh, Don 1-0. Morata scored again. Hazard comes on as a sub, makes the impact, and Chelsea just wins the game, their second 1-0 win in the Europa League. And then Arsenal, 3-0 win against Corabagg. How happy are you to see Arsenal's youngsters playing well, especially uh, Guendouzi and Emile Smith-Rowe?
1: Oh, it's very exciting. I mean, Guendouzi, I think, we're just, you know, the they're just scratching the surface of his potential. I think he's a really exciting player. I haven't seen a player like him at Arsenal in a very long time. Uh, he just, he's a very, very exciting prospect. I'm not sure if he's going to pan out the way that I hope he will, but right now at 19 years old, he's, value, he's a very valuable player. And you can... And you can't say that about a lot of players. Uh, for Emil Smith Rowe, I thought his finish was very composed. He looked like he was older, which is always a nice compliment to say. I thought he had some really interesting moments. He, you know, the, after the game, Unai Emery uh, praised Emil Smith Rowe for his humility and his ability to. Uh, take on instruction and improve game upon game. I don't know if Smith-Rowe is really going to have that many chances this season, but it's good that when he gets his chances, he's able to contribute. Um, one thing that I do want to say about Arsenal uh, that is good about the... When the one good thing about the Europa League is that it is allowing players like Smith-Rowe, Guendouzi, uh, Alex Iwobi, this kind of platform to really get used to Emery's system because ultimately... Emery system is not going to suit players like uh, Mkhitaryan and Ozil, and those players are you know, probably sooner rather than later, and m- much sooner than you probably think, are probably going to leave Arsenal. And you're going to need players like Iwobi and Smith-Rowe and some of their academy players to come in and be able to perform in this system. And I think... A really underrated player this season in general for the Gunners has been Alex Awobe. He has not been a revelation, but he's been so good. His decision making has improved. His ability on the ball has improved. His final third attacking ability is also improved. He provided the assist to Emil Smithrow in the. Europa League match. I think he's really special and I think he's starting to figure it all out. It's good that he finally has a coach that will teach him how to play the game a little better and not just have Arsene Wenger, who is just like, you just do whatever you feel is, is right. Um, I think Wobby definitely needed that structure and I think Emery's showing off that he is a really good man-manager in that sense. He really can mold younger, younger players, so Good victory. It wasn't that straightforward as the scoreline suggests, but uh, I think Arsenal is good. I think they're good. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they perform in the Europa League.
0: Well, they're definitely good. They've won eight straight games. They currently uh, have the best winning streak amongst all 20 Premier League clubs because they can't stop winning in the league. They're winning in the Europa League, and Chelsea and Arsenal are continuing to show that they are the favorites to win this competition especially with Sevilla losing to Krasnodar in Group J in their second game Marseille had a draw against Apollon Limassol so Marseille has struggled in their group in the Europa League and then Celtic losing to Red Bull Salzburg who are semi-finalists in the last competition as we move on now to the Premier League match day eight is here starting a little bit Early Because we've got some Friday night football between Brighton and West Ham to kick off the final match day before the October international break. Uh, Before we begin our predictions, uh, let's just review how we did. So for me, I got two perfect scores and I got um i think seven results correct how'd you do
1: i did about around the same i got two perfect scores i think i got one of the perfect scores perfect with you and i got about six uh correct so or six or five so it was a pretty good day for the both of us i think you beat me on just general picks but we were in we had a very good idea of how the weekend was going to go Yeah, the
0: only slip-ups was United winning, which they didn't. I had Everton and Fulham tying, and then I picked Liverpool to beat Chelsea. Those are the only slip-ups for me. Yeah, basically for me too. Okay, so let's uh, start the match day eight predictions with West Ham against Brighton. Esteban, what do you got?
1: So I got West Ham winning 2-1. West Ham is on a really good run of form right now. I think their attacking three is fantastic. Chicharito has come back into training, so they have extra depth in the attacking system. Um, Arnautovic has mentioned that he is dealing with some injury issues, but he's playing through it, so I don't know how long that's going to last. As long as Arnautovic is playing as their central striker, I think West Ham is one of the best teams in the Premier League, so I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory for West Ham however I wouldn't be shocked if Brighton is able to get a either you know a draw at the final minute or they just beat West Ham because they're so good at home but I'm sticking with a West Ham win
0: I'm sticking with a West Ham win too I got a 2-0 victory for the Hammers I think their attacking trio has proven that they have they're learning to play together they're succeeding in playing together and in the span of just you know two weeks or three weeks West Ham went from being the laughing stock of the Premier League sitting in last no points now they've got seven points people are scared of their attack because Marco Arnautovic might be um, a top five player in the league right now I don't think he's at Eden Hazard level but he has shown that he is the core you know the team revolves around Marco Arnautovic and if he plays well West Ham plays well and Brighton have only won one game this season their only win was against United back in match day two since then they have not won a game so I think it stays that way and West Ham beats Brighton 2-0 next we got the Saturday encounter so let's begin with Burnley against Huddersfield Burnley's won two straight Huddersfield's in last I'm going with the upset I think Huddersfield get their first win 2-1 at Burnley
1: I like the pick. I I was kind of struggling with this as well. I thought Huddersfield, they really need a result in this game, so I feel like they're going to be more energized and they're going to try to maybe be a little more proactive than they usually are. However, I'm going to go with a Burnley victory at home, not by a big scoreline. I think Burnley gets a 1-0 victory and they just move on. They've been in a good run of form lately. They've won their last couple games. They don't have to focus about any other competition except the Premier League, and I think they're going to be well-prepared for Huddersfield. Uh, Huddersfield attack. So I think Burnley will be defensively solid. They won't give up a goal. I think Burnley wins 1-0. All
0: right, so opposite picks for us, but I just think Huddersfield, they they got to win this game, and I think they will win this game. I just think it. there's too much at stake for them. Moving on to Crystal Palace and Wolves at Selhurst Park. If you read my power rankings on the topflight.com, you know that I put Wolves as the fifth best team in the Premier League right now ahead of Tottenham. I did not think I would put any newly promoted team in the top five this early in the season. You still have Wolves winning?
1: I do, not by much. I have them winning 2-1. I think Palace is a really good defensive team. They're a classic Roy Hodgson team. Um, Zaha is going to play, so it's going to make them a little more difficult for Wolves. But And, you know, even though Wolves has been very, very good, they have been leaving some of their games kind of late, and they don't always break down really defensively solid teams as easily as you would imagine. But I still think Wolves is going to eke out a victory. They'll get out
0: 2-1. I got 1-0. I think that their defense is going to have no problems against Crystal Palace, which is a struggling offense. Zaha, who's had his moments where he's been brilliant, just has not been as consistent as Crystal Palace need him to be to get results. And then Christian Benteke has just not been scoring goals. I mean, Crystal Palace is getting their best players are their fullbacks. I mean, Aaron Juan Bissaka and Patrick Van Anholt getting some assists, some goals for the team, and being the catalyst of the offense. The midfield has been not effective at all for Palace. Luka Milivojevic has just kind of been silent all season. Meanwhile, Wolves, the whole team, just plays so well as a unit, and I think they'll win 1-0. As we go to Leicester and Everton, before we predict the game, how about Leicester City? James Madison called up to the England squad, along with Jadon Sancho, uh, Marco Bettinelli, the Fulham goalkeepers on the squad. Garrett Southgate getting his extension till Qatar 2022. How awesome is it to see James Madison in an England shirt?
1: I love it. I mean, it's James Madison, Jaden Sancho, Harry Winks. This is the future of the English midfield, and I think those players maybe are capable of competing with the, with the likes of Spain and Croatia, as we're going to see in the Nations League next week. Um, I think it's going to be great, and I honestly think that it's going to energize James Madison against Everton to really perform at a high level to encourage all the other English fans that maybe are questioning why James Madison was included in this squad. But I don't think Leicester City is going to win this game. I think Everton is going to win, but I think it's going to be the game of the weekend, honestly, well, beside the Liverpool-Man City game. But with all the other games, I think Leicester City-Everton is going to go to 3-2 to Everton. Um, it, I think Everton is going to come from behind and get the, snatch the victory at at the death. But James Madison is going to impress all of us, as he has been impressing all of us throughout the entire season.
0: I, I have a flip-flop. I have Leicester winning 3-2. So I just think that McGuire's is playing very well. I think Madison will play tremendously because he needs to impress Garrett Southgate before these— two big Nations League matches for England where they play Spain and play Croatia and Madison could be the creative midfield spark that England looking for and we saw that they lacked that at the World Cup and uh, England did lack that in their Nations League game against Spain back in September so I think that Madison's going to have an inspired performance and Leicester's going to beat Everton 3-2, and Leicester's just going to be so under the radar, and just like that, they will be a team that has 15 points in the Premier League. Going to Tottenham and Cardiff. Once again, I think Cardiff is going to struggle against a top-six club. Cardiff has just not had the best time playing top-six clubs, conceded three to Arsenal, four to Chelsea, five to City. I think they concede three to Tottenham. I think Spurs win 3-1. Tottenham has taken care of business against weaker opposition, but thus far has struggled against better opposition. Opposition.
1: You're 100 right about Tottenham's inability to beat stronger t- uh, opposition. However, I do think that their defeat midweek to Barcelona might get in their heads. The, it seems that t- this Tottenham team kind of has an inferiority complex. Now that may be that they are going to crush Cardiff and they might score three goals. I'm going to go with a little more conservative result of a 2-1 victory for Tottenham. Um, Cardiff City is a, is not the easiest team to play, but they're obviously not. You know, they're not that very. They're not that good. But I I do think that they can make Tottenham struggle a little bit. Tottenham's attacking fluidity has been uh, not so good to start the season. So I think Cardiff could frustrate them a little bit. But I I say Tottenham wins by 2-1 instead of 3-1. All right. So
0: I got just one extra goal. I think Kane will get some more. Here's my game of the weekend, Watford and Bournemouth. This is a big matchup. Sixth place Watford against seventh place Bournemouth. A winner here means that one of these sides, which many are shocked that are in the top seven right now, they could be staying there for a decent amount of time. And it's also good for Wolves because you've got a sixth and seventh place team playing. You've also got eighth against 11th in the Leicester Everton match. So if Wolves win and you have winners in those two other games I mentioned previously... Wolves could be in the top six or five by the time we get to the end of the table on Sunday before the international break. So it's just crazy to think that that's the situation we're in. But I think Watford and Bournemouth are going to go full guns blazing in this game. I got a three all draw.
1: Ooh, I like that pick. I didn't I did not go for a draw and I didn't even go for a high-scoring draw. I love this game because it's a contrast of styles. You have Bournemouth's uh, similar English influence ball type of attacking system going against Watford's kind of Atletico Madrid light 4-4-2. It's a Spanish 4-4-2, which is much more different than an English 4-4-2. I think it's a very interesting clash of teams, personality, physicality over elegance. And it's all in a mid-table kind of game, which is extremely exciting for the Premier League and what makes it such a fun league to watch. But I'm going to go with a Watford 2-0 victory over Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth struggles against teams that are able to pack the box and be physical with them. And I think Bournemouth, they're not going to be able to score in Vicarage Road. I'm going to go 2-0 to Watford, but it should be a fun game even with that kind of scoreline.
0: Interesting. I think that game is going to be great either way. Moving on to the late Saturday afternoon game. This is a game where both teams need to win. Manchester United and Newcastle United, the two clubs in the Premier League that are in the worst possible spots emotionally and results-wise. United hasn't won in four matches. Newcastle is struggling greatly. Both these teams need a win to keep their fans sane and happy and to avoid anyone getting fired. What's going to happen, Esteban?
1: I really wanted this. What do we call our 0-0 draws in this, on this podcast? Oh God,
0: we should have. I God, I can't remember. It's too early in well, the morning.
1: Don't worry about it. I was so close to making this a zero-zero draw. Just because I think Manchester United is awful, and I think Newcastle is would take a zero-zero draw every day of the week and twice on Sunday but I'm going to go with a 1-0 victory to Manchester United because Newcastle's luck has been rotten this season, and I think they might even perform better than Manchester United and still lose the match. So I'm going 1-0 to United, a Lukaku goal off of a set piece.
0: All right, I remember the name. It's a Satwa because it's the snooze of the week. Oof, my so goodness. That, that's your sattwa. Um, I think it's going to be a Satwa too, but I'm actually picking a draw. I'm sick of picking United winning. I got a 1-1 one, one, one draw. I think Newcastle will be able to find a way to score a goal in this game at Old Trafford because United, I just don't see any passion from their players when it comes to playing football right now. They they just look like they're disinterested. They just don't want to play, and it just seems like they don't even want to win. And Newcastle needs something bad because if they lost this game, relegation is a real possibility for them. It probably already is. But it's getting even more and more likely because who knows if Fulham will pick it up. Who knows if uh, Southampton and Brighton will pick it up. But I got a one-all draw. And then we got the Sunday games happening. London Derby at Craven Cottage. Fulham against Arsenal. I think Arsenal's winning streak continues. They get nine straight wins in all competitions. They are going to beat Fulham. I got a 2-1 win for the Gunners.
1: I have a 3-1 win for the Gunners. Um, I think that scoreline, as we've seen with most Arsenal scorelines this year, I don't think... Uh, Arsenal winning will say that they had an impressive performance. Um, Arsenal, I think, is definitely going to struggle against Fulham. Fulham's very good in the attack, and John Michael Sarri is probably the best midfielder on the pitch uh, at any given time against almost any Premier League opposition, and I think against Arsenal he could prove that. Uh, Schürrler and Mitrovic, Mitrovic especially, he could have a field day against Arsenal because he's so good in the air and he's so physical, but I still think Arsenal is going to be able to get the victory because Fulham's defense is horrible, Arsenal has one of the best attacks in Europe. Um, that's just, even with them not clicking, they still have some of the best attacking players, and they're just they're able to create goals from almost nothing and from these really intricate kind of plays. So I think Arsenal's going to win 3-1 instead of 2-1, but Fulham was, is going to have a great performance because everybody has their best performance against Arsenal. We'll have to
0: see about that. Fulham has either been good or really, really bad. That's kind of been their scale in the Premier League thus far. The game before the big one, Chelsea at Southampton at St. Mary's. This should be a Chelsea win, and they should be winning 3-0. I think Hazard will play well once again. I think maybe the strikers get involved a little bit more, so give me 3-0 Chelsea.
1: I'll take 2-0 Chelsea. I think Chelsea kind of struggles against Southampton in recent years, but that does not mean that they're going to lose. I think Chelsea is starting to develop a way to get these really simple victories against lower-level opposition so that they can maintain uh, a kind of physical consistency throughout the season so that they don't get too high or too low and that could keep them in the title race. So I think they're going to go with a very simple 2-0 victory. Maybe Hazard gets a couple goals or he's able to create a couple chances and they'll just finish off Southampton relatively quickly. But I think 2-0 is more likely than 3.
0: All right, so 2-0 to to you, 3-0 to me. Let's now do the big game of the weekend. Second place Liverpool hosting first place Manchester City. They both have 19 points. They both want to be in first. These two teams played the games of the season last year. Four matches between Liverpool and City last season. Twice in the Premier League. City won 5-0 at home. Liverpool won 4-3 at home. Then they played in the Champions League twice. Liverpool beating Manchester City to make it to the semifinals. Everyone was shocked at how well they played. Esteban, what's going to happen in this uh, fifth iteration in the last two years of Liverpool-Man City? By the way, City outscored Liverpool 10-9 last season.
1: I believe, and I always make this pick, at least for the last couple seasons, I think Liverpool will always beat Manchester City if they're at full strength and nobody gets a red card. So I'm still going to pick Liverpool winning 3-2 against Manchester City at Anfield. I think the atmosphere is going to be crazy. Liverpool is going to be locked in. They know how to play this Manchester City team. Pep Guardiola likes to get cute sometimes. And if he gets cute against this uh, Liverpool squad, Liverpool is going to destroy them. Here's the thing, though. Mohamed Salah's form, that's a cause for concern. Mohamed Salah was dominating uh, Manchester City last season. He was so good. He scored, I think, four goals in their three matches uh, in the Champions League and in the Premier League. I think... If he can't get it, if he can score in this game, then Liverpool is going to beat Manchester City. But if he struggles in front of goal again, I think there there is a possibility that Manchester City could take this one pretty easily. Another cause for concern, Oxley chamberlain has always been a very important part of the Liverpool squad when they play against Manchester City. He scored some incredible goals last season. Of course, he's injured. He's not going to play and Liverpool is going to hope that Naby Keita can perform that Oxley chamberlain kind of role where he can just burst through the city defenses and maybe score some really awesome screamers or create some interesting chances, but he's also dealing with a minor injury, and he may or may not play. Um, I still believe that if you put these two teams and they're at full strength and they're ready to play against each other, I think Liverpool should win almost every time, especially if they're playing at home, so I'm going. I'm going to be brave. I'm saying Liverpool wins 3-2. I think
0: Manchester City is going to win 3-2. I think we're going to have a bit of a flip-flop in what we saw last season between these two teams. I just think that this schedule has caught up to Liverpool. They are tired. They have played so many games against such high-quality opposition. I mean, they played Chelsea twice last week. They played Napoli. They played City. Before that, they had a game against Tottenham. They had a game against PSG. And they had the energy to win those games. But since then, they have just struggled because they are tired. I mean, you look at their last three games where they have not won. Daniel Sturridge has scored both of their goals one of which was coming off the bench. So Liverpool's front three have not performed well since the win against Southampton slash win against PSG, and Liverpool's offense has struggled. Sturridge has sort of turned into the top striker again because Firmino has not scored since that incredible winner against uh, PSG. That's probably his most memorable goal in this giant stretch of tough games for Liverpool and I think City are hitting their stride and they are the only English team that's coming out of the week with three points in the Champions League that's going to boost their confidence I think Pep Guardiola is ready to get wins against Liverpool he knows how badly this team beat City last season especially in the Champions League and in that 4-3 thriller um, in January so I think City will come back with a fire and win against Liverpool 3-2 even though if I saw that, I would be very upset, but I think a Liverpool Manchester City game is the best way to end a Premier League week- weekend before we get into a international break where we're not going to have Premier League for a while. We're not going to see a big match until Match Day 9, October 20th when Chelsea host Man United, and then it's going to be a while till we even get Champions League. So... Let's enjoy this weekend. We have a lot of big scorelines, so I think it's going to be a good weekend in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think, number one, you're you're a traitor for uh, picking Manchester I, I, City. I, I,
0: I know. I always pick against <laughs> Liverpool recently. I mean, I picked them to beat Chelsea, and they didn't win. But I got I to gotta get the points, man, against you, even though we're not betting anything and we have nothing on the line. I got to get the points, man. It's, it's all, all about
1: pride. It's all about pride. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a great weekend. I think the weekend before uh, international break tends to have some pretty awesome games because people are tired and, uh, you know, players are really, really, really need a break and they decide to make really stupid mistakes. So I think we're going to have some pretty fun games. Um, I really hope that this is the last week and we have to see uh, Jose Mourinho, so hopefully we get a Newcastle win. But uh, beside that, I think it's going to be fun.
0: I think it's going to be fun, too, and world football. I mean, how awesome is it that this week we had Premier League game on Monday, Premier League teams playing Tuesday through Thursday in Europe, and then we've already got a game today, West Ham and Brighton, Friday night football. Cannot wait for it. It's going to be a good weekend in the Premier League before we get to the international break. Before we go, Esteban, do you want to uh, lay down what's going to be happening uh, for the future of the Top Flight pod or at least the nearby future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be coming back on Monday or Tuesday to recap the week. week. then we're going to be taking a short break through the international break and we're going to be tinkering with some ideas that we have for this podcast and hopefully when we come back we have some really unique things that we want to share with you guys and let's see how this podcast can go
0: yeah. And thank you for everyone who downloads. Thank you for everyone who listens. Make sure to listen to us on Spreaker.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and check out the topflight.com. Some Champions League recaps, the power rankings, all great stuff from all of our writers from around the globe. Mind you, we might be we're we're two Americans on the staff. But we got guys, we have people from South Africa, we have people from England, we have people from Brazil, just a tremendous group of people working their butts off, creating some great opinions and content about the Premier League. So check out thetopflight.com. For Esteban, I'm Ori. We'll see you guys early next week when we break down all these games that we hope are super exciting. See you then.